0: hello friends, guess what? We are cruising into the end of Second Kings, which means we're completing the, the whole saga. I must admit this feels like it's been going on for a long time and I feel very disconnected from the beginning excuse me of the story with Solomon. more so than when I was doing the uh, first and second Samuel series and I think a big part of it's just that so much happens in this book. Centuries are passed um, like entire epochs. Of the kingdom end with Solomon's reign and the kingdom being divided and then the entire lifespan of the northern kingdom exists in this book and that so much happens and we have the the slowing down of the story for the two power prophets Elijah and Elisha uh, but there's lots of stuff that just happens and I think that that gives a sense for me of um, the story's just drawn out, and it's hard to remember where we started sometimes, but the great overview of this is, the, the this book is the outworking in history of God's promise to David that one of his sons would sit on the throne of Jerusalem uh, forever, and how um, it goes from the death of David as the beginning of this book um, to the high points of the reign of Solomon and other good kings, such as uh, Uzziah was pretty good, Hezekiah which was really good we're gonna have one more good king with Josiah not in this chapter but coming up soon but the overall trajectory to unfaithfulness and ultimately um, exile as God is faithful to the promises in the book of Deuteronomy where he promised that the people would be exiled if they're persistently unfaithful to God um, but that there it ends with hope as one of the sons of David is shown mercy in the court of the king of uh, Babylon. So that's your trajectory, but we are going to now uh, deal with one of the worst kings in the history of Jerusalem, in the history of Judah, and his name is Manasseh, and he's the son of one of the best kings. So uh, this stock ticker on this thing goes up and down with some pretty high peaks and some pretty low valleys, but let's get to the word of God, and I'm just going to pray this time. Father God, thank you so much for your precious word, your perspective on history and a word that is eternal, and always present, and faithful, and for your people. And I pray, Lord, as as we look together at, at your word, you would make eternal things happen in the hearts of your people. Amen. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. Okay, so quite a long reign, born during that time when Hezekiah's uh, illness, um, is healed and he gets uh, an extension on his reign and maybe you start reading this and you think "Man, this could be good great king should have great son- sons right well no Verse two and he did what was evil in the sight of the lord according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the lord drove out before the people of israel for he rebuilt the high places that hezekiah's father had destroyed He erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah, as Ahab the king of Israel had done, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. So... manasseh in in a sense repents of hezekiah's goodness and not only does he restore the high places but this northern kingdom that was just wiped out in the previous generation for their idolatry he's going to now restore the idolatry of the northern kingdom as well as the high places which were the thorn of the flesh in the southern kingdom as well as the Baals, which is the uh, the chief god that elijah was fighting against you remember at mount carmel so pretty much all the bad stuff that we've ever dealt with in this book manasseh is going to embrace and promote verse four and he built altars in the house of the lord of which the lord had said in jerusalem i will put my name and he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the lord and he burned his son as an offering And used fortune-telling and omens and dealt with mediums and necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So essentially everything the book of Deuteronomy says don't do, he's doing it. In the carved image of the Asherah that he had made, he set In the house of which the Lord had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I have put my name forever. I will not cause the feet of Israel to wander anymore out of the land that I gave to their fathers. If only they will be careful to do according to all that I've commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they did not listen, and Manasseh led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. So I kind of unintentionally did this recap, which the prophet here does his own recap i hadn't previewed this chapter i was just kind of going and reading and so you can see all these themes i just talked about the law of moses what he commanded them to do and not to do the um history of the nations that were driven up beforehand and israel's call to be a shining light and a holy nation but they're not he, in this reign they're being worse than all the previous nations the the uh specialness if that's a word of jerusalem and the temple as well as the previous reigns of david and solomon all these all this history all this potential of what israel was meant to be and jerusalem was meant to be and judah was meant to be um, being squandered on idolatry sorcery uh, demonic worship child sacrifice and just being worse than what israel should be or israel should have been and um so so all that history has been brought together as we're nearing the end of the story we're getting these great reminders of the beginning of this story verse 10 and the lord said to his servants the prophets because manasseh king of judah has committed these abominations and has done things more evil than all the amorites did who were before him and has made judah also to sin with his idols therefore thus says the lord the god of israel behold i am bringing upon jerusalem and judah such disaster that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle and i will stretch over jerusalem the measuring line of samaria and the plumb line of the house of ahab and i will wipe jerusalem as one wipes a dish wiping it and turning it upside down okay so here god is speaking to his prophets and his prophets are speaking to the kingdom and god is uh promising a great judgment and they're going to be as completely wiped out as a clean dish which which is a pretty powerful metaphor Verse 14, and I will forsake the remnant of my heritage and give them into the hand of their enemies and they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies because they have done what is evil in my sight and provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Okay, so God is remembering there's been nonstop trouble. There's been high points, you know, Samuel was good, David was good, Solomon was good for a while. There's been good points, but the main theme has actually been unfaithfulness. And I think when he's saying, you know, I'm going to forsake the remnant, if you think of the book of Judges, God God would bring in oppressors, but Israel wasn't kicked out. And there's always like survivors and a remnant. And he's saying, now I'm not even planning on a remnant. And so what he's thinking is there's going to be a grand exile. Verse 16, moreover Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another besides the sin that he made Judah to sin so that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and the sin that he committed are they not written in the books of the Chronicles of the King of Judah and Manasseh slept with his fathers and was buried in the garden of the house in the garden of Uzzah and Amon his son reigned in his place. So this is the picture we have of Manasseh just the worst idolater of uh, of in history in the history of israel and jerusalem now if you do read chronicles chronicles does actually capture manasseh having a moment of repentance i think he's actually imprisoned and in his imprisonment he cries out to the lord and god has mercy on him for his humility and so there is uh, a time when manasseh does uh, humble himself before the lord But that's not the point that the author of this narrative wants to tell us. He wants to tell us why um, things got so bad for a while. And there's this prophetic promise now that um, Judah's going to be wiped out like a dish. It's going to be wiped out. And it's because of this generation. And this does kind of answer the question how Hezekiah could have um, Isaiah say to him, you know all this stuff you showed the Babylonians it's all going to Babylon and you go like how did do, how does this happen and the answer is Manasseh who probably was alive at the time that this all happened Manasseh is going to be so brutally pagan and unbelieving and wicked and evil that God's gonna exile them all right verse 19 Amon was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulameth, the daughter of Heru's of Jotba. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. As his father had done, he walked in all the way in which his father walked and served the idols that his father served and worshipped them. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. And the servants of Amon conspired against him and put him to death in his house. But the people of the land struck down all those who made who had conspired against king amon and the people of the land made josiah the king the sorry his son king in his place now the rest of the acts of amon that he did are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the king of judah and he was buried in his tomb in the garden of uzzah and josiah his son reigned in his place and that ends the chapter and if you remember over the last number of chapters this sense of like kings being assassinated by wicked servants this was a theme, and it was a real sign of God's displeasure with persistent unbelief in um, the the reigns. You know, one king is bad, the next king is bad, and, and that, that cyclist interrupted by assassination. So this isn't good. It's good that those guys were put to death in kind of human terms, but it's a sign that Amon was, was going to be pretty bad. And then um, Josiah is put in his place, and we get one of the better kings in the life of Josiah. And so... We can close this up here, but next time we're going to be looking at a good reign, I think the last good reign, I could be corrected by scripture, the last good reign before the exile. Peace.